Hello and welcome. Elizabeth Lockwood here. I'm your host for Mile Long Trace, where we unpack the process of practicing commercial interior design. This podcast is a catalyst to elevate you as a commercial interior designer to make you resilient and successful at your career by unpacking the facets of the design process, elevating your professional practice through organizational dynamics tips, celebrating emerged practitioners through a series of candid interviews so that you can hear how they navigated their career path, and lastly, creating a Q&A platform to build quality professional resources. In the end, I want you to feel supported in your role as a commercial interior designer so that you can be successful in your career. As passionate designers, we want to elevate the commercial interior design industry by providing credible resources to support emerging practitioners. In order to keep this content accessible, Mylong Trace is seeking industry partners and sponsors to grow this platform. Industry sponsors and partners that are passionate about supporting, influencing, and advancing commercial interior design. Mylong Trace is offering annual and a la carte sponsorship. More information and to contact us, go to MileLongTrace.com. Generous sponsorship dollars support the future of commercial interior design by building a stronger community, knowledge base, and attrition at firms and an industry at large. Hello and welcome to Design Justice. Six months ago, I outlined 12 episodes to launch MileLongTrace podcast. My goal was to create a season one that would end in June. In March, I said to hell with the original plan and started designing the episode lineup to address the pandemic. Even though I didn't fully have everything formulated in my own design practice, it felt important to begin the conversation, to plant the seed and cast a line out there to say what's next. The plan for the next couple months or however long it takes is to keep going through the summer to aid you in these unprecedented times. Without further ado, welcome to Design Justice, our first summer season episode where we're going to look at social justice and the interior design and architectural practice. Where does the work start? As I spent this week reflecting on the rise of protesting around our nation, I began to become inspired by all those Black leaders that are standing up and saying, this isn't enough to be silent as a white privileged individual. I recognize the need to do more, but what and how I wondered. I recognize that the system set play are so massively broken that it's going to take a while to build things and repair, but somebody has to start somewhere. And we as a nation need to start localizing our actions, coming together as communities and strategizing how we can especially in the architectural communities, how we can contribute. I recognize that it's not enough, but it is a start. I also recognize the design community could be doing a lot, but how? It occurred to me the architecture and design profession in my community is predominantly white. There is a lack of equal voices among this, and I am reminded of the ACE Mentor Program where design practitioners volunteer their time to mentor junior and senior high school students by exposing and hopefully inspiring them to pursue a career in the built environment. 
As I worked with these students 10 years ago, I was in awe of the diversity of students in attendance. But as I reflect back, I am saddened to think how many of them were actually, were not actually able to pursue a degree in architecture, engineering, construction, or design, if the cost of a four-year degree is inaccessible. I must quickly add that the ACE program provides scholarships across the country for some of those students. However, my guess is it's not enough. And this got me to thinking, along with a very broken police system, a divided political system, we also have a broken educational system, one that is not accessible to all. I believe knowledge is power, but if a financial burden or horrendous debt comes from that knowledge, how is one to advance? It sickens me more than ever to think of those young minds thirsty for knowledge, yet they've never been given a break. So my first call to action today is for all of us practitioners to explore how we can make our profession more accessible. We are not going to be able to do it without an equitable higher educational system, one that is accessible to all. As Margaret Wheatley states, in these troubled, uncertain times, we don't need more command and control. We need better means to engage everyone's intelligence in solving challenges and crises as they arise. Diverse design teams. I imagine a design field that is more diverse, that fosters collaboration among not just different trades, socioeconomic backgrounds, to create conversations that are more holistic and representative of a diversity of perspectives. Imagine for a second where we could take our projects with this type of intentionality. We obviously don't know what it looks like yet because we're not there, but I can feel it and I know that the power of collaboration will unleash something amazing and profound. Imagine if these diverse teams were facilitated to foster the uncomfortable, challenging conversations. As a community, we need to lean in. As Bennett states, do unto others as they themselves would have done unto themselves. Recognize we often design for the privileged. And we are privileged ourselves if we have access to a degree in the built environment. And we need to foster development and equal access to quality built environments. As I was thinking about this, some technical solutions came to mind where we could design and foster underserved communities. Imagine a world where we all have access to schools with 21st century learning strategies that are accessible, homes that are healthy and safe, community centers that inspire the occupants to express their nationality, to collaborate with other and to engage and educate. Public parks that provide safe access to movement in nature. Transportation structures that support job industries for equitable access. We need to dig deeper to understand how to create accessibility to all. Accessibility to affordable medical services and education. If we as a society are going to change or to grow as a nation and as a global world, we as the design community need to encourage and foster pro bono work, or good quality projects that support the underserved, and maybe we don't take as large of a profit, but we do it because we're investing in our communities. By embedding and working in small local actions within our own communities, we can build to something greater. Some examples that I thought of today was a homeless housing project that SRG Partnership and Portland State University have partnered to create 
which is pickathon structures for a music festival during the summer, disassembles it and creates a housing for homeless shelters. Reference to that can be found in the show notes. As well, my conversation with Primo at Studio ONA, where they designed a food truck for thought and went out into the communities to create conversations around design. I'm sure there are many more opportunities to embed one's practice into the local design community, and I look forward to discovering some of those examples and seeing where we can go. The key, however, that I'm thinking of is we need to slow down as the design community from one's design hustle and to provide opportunities to pay it forward, all in name because we know in our hearts it's the right thing to do, and each small localized action could lead to something big and powerful and revolutionize the way the built environment creates equality and social justice. Creativity is a privilege. I am reminded of a lecture I once attended on creativity and how the brain functions. The key takeaway I observe is how privileged one is to be able to use the creative side of one's brain. When the brain is stressed, it goes into fight or flight mode. Like the phrase losing your lid, that will literally happen Your brain shuts down the other areas of your brain in order to think pragmatically about survival. One literally is unable to tap into the daydreaming creative side when their life is under stress. If you are one of privilege and you are able to think creatively, use that power to help serve populations and expand their avenues and opportunities. Active listening is a path forward. This brings me to my final point for this episode. We will not be effective as a design community if we apply a top-down approach. We as a community need to be strategic about how we engage with projects. People will be accountable and committed to what they have a hand in creating, according to Peter Block. And instead of applying our knowledge, we should be partnering with those communities to provide them the resources and tools that we have to design spaces that work for their culture, not our own. As Glenn Parker states, the single most important factor distinguishing effective from ineffective teams is the ability of a team member to listen to each other. Going back to my initial inquiry, I began to ask myself, what can I offer? How can I be better? How can I inspire others to be better? It occurred to me, we have many of the resources we already need. They're just underutilized or misguided. Because we are taught our role in school is to be a designer, it is rarely mentioned that there are a plethora of other fields that we need in order to be successful in the practice of interior design. One important one I want to highlight today is the importance of being a leader, collaborator, and facilitator. I believe one of the steps we can easily make as an industry is to be social justice facilitators. In order to bridge cultural conflict, as LeBaron states, Dynamic engagement applied with a spirit of dialogue provides a way to change. Conflictual relationships transform one's learning, creativity, and individual and collective growth arises from the constructed shifts in relationships by dynamic engagement. The key and the largest point I want to make is we cannot continue to lead and design with privilege. We cannot mandate change, aka top-down design strategies, within underserved communities. We need to work with those communities. As Margaret Wheatley states, people will be accountable and committed to what they have a hand in creating. The key here, as she states, is the process of organizing involves developing relationships from a shared sense of purpose, 
exchanging and creating information, learning constantly, paying attention to the results of our efforts, co-adapting, co-evolving, developing wisdom as we learn, staying clear about our purpose, being alert to change from all directions. We need to adopt the role of the facilitator, not the all high and mighty practitioner that knows best. We need to be humble. We need to be vulnerable. We need to be willing to step down and recognize that though we have the technical skill sets to provide in leading teams through the design process, we cannot do it alone. We need to elevate the voices of others. And now that is social justice. We need to honor diversity of voices and lean into those with different opinions. Margaret Wheatley stated, leaders who live in the new story help us understand ourselves differently by the way they lead. They trust our humanness. They welcome the surprises we bring to them. They are curious about our diversities. They delight in our inventiveness. They nurture us. They connect us. They trust that we can create wisely and well, that we speak the best interests of our organizations and our communities, that we want to bring more good into the world. I am reminded of the power of active listening, where one reserves judgment and name of learning, paraphrases when it's heard from other team members, before offering their own opinion, and acknowledges and fosters differences among peers. We don't need another invention. We need to utilize the wisdom of the communities designed for social justice. I recognize we have a long road ahead of us, and this is only one small piece of the pie to a larger system at play that is massively broken. One thing we can do as a community is to practice active listening. We start by listening, and maybe that comes with being aware enough and brave enough to ask the right questions. We must be thoughtful, methodical, and intentional. We must observe who is not at the table, who is not represented when we host stakeholder conversations. As designers of the built environment, it is our ethical role to serve all, and we need to do more. Alrighty, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want more, please spread the love and subscribe to this podcast. You can find supporting information in the show notes for this episode on milelongtrace.com. If you're itching to have a question answered about the interior design profession, visit our website to contact me. Don't forget to follow MyLongTrace on Instagram to stay in the know. Hey, share this with your friends to grow this platform so that we can continue to provide you kick-ass information that is relevant to you and your profession. Till next time, keep designing, y'all.